Welcome to Positive Bitch Lady, or as we like to say, Positive Power Lady. Listen in as your host, Sandy Joy Weston, takes on the hottest topics, explores how to deal with them in a positive, bold way, and highlights some amazing power ladies out in the world. This month, we wanted to tell you about Sandy's other podcast, Positive Power Lady. This four-woman podcast is all about stepping into your true power and dealing with today's hottest topics in a positive, bold way. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify and Sandy's website, www.sandyjoywesson.com. If you haven't already, take a listen to one of the amazing episodes and share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. Well, this is very exciting. Today's awesome and inspiring podcast guest is Cindy Goldberg. Now, I've been waiting to have Cindy on for a while. I found her. I loved her stuff. I was so pumped. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we get going. She has been an educator for 24 years in the Cheltenham School District. As an educator, she created an SEL program, which we'll get into, still used today in a time when they didn't exist. Love that. Most recently, Cindy has been appointed as the Mindfulness Positive Psychology Coach bringing mindfulness training to classrooms and educators all over the district. She facilitates teacher well-being workshops and opportunities for self-care in a time when teachers face the greatest challenges and stresses in recent history. I know parents can attest to that. Cindy Goldberg is the author of Penelope's Headache, a children's book about navigating their social world and is currently working on a strengths-based children's book. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Sandy. It's great to be here. I know. And by the way, to tell you how determined me and Cindy are, the internet was going in, it was going out. You know, I was like praying to the gods, but we're here and we're going through it, Cindy. And we're going to just let it flow. Let it flow, which is what this is all about. But Cindy, before we get started, I know I was talking before, I know you're doing workshops in the city and you're all over the place. You know, I was thinking about it while the internet went out. And the thing that struck me the most is when I was telling you about the school district in TE and how they're really trying to get a resiliency program. It really warmed my heart. They were like, bring them up. You know, I want to, you don't, you, you want to spread this saying like, yeah, we could use your here, but it would be better for you to learn it, to teach in other schools. So you're not just about Cheltenham. You want to get it everywhere. Absolutely. You know, mindfulness and positive psychology are tools and if we could spread it everywhere, I think people would be a lot calmer, more focused, and happier. You know, so I always love to find out what got you into it, though. I mean, I know you deal mostly with elementary school, but before this, what what even fascinated you about the positive psychology department or mindfulness? Well, I think as an educator, I always taught in a positive psychology way, although back then I didn't even know that there was such a thing as positive psychology. I mean, okay. just figuring out what kids' strengths are, working to um, praise them in ways where you're talking about what they're doing well, not who they are, and, and teaching them things that they're interested in. I think that's been around and many of us embraced it early on. And finally, there's a name for it. So I think this was kind I got of you. the path, you know? Yeah. So you were like, oh, okay, well, this is makes sense to me. This is what I've been doing all along. Uh, and I think it's the same thing for me. Like, okay, they're calling it positive psychology, but it's been in you 
forever. All right. So now why elementary kids? Well, elementary kids, that's, that was my love. I love young children. I think they're so innocent and they, they really do see the good. And I think going into classrooms where elementary kids are and teaching them mindfulness is almost like magic. Um, they get it. They want, to, uh. they want the tools. They want to embrace it. It's pretty, it's pretty magical. I, I understand. So not that we don't need it in the high schools, but you want to start them young. So they create the habits, you know, earlier on. Absolutely. When you start them young, they, it's, it's part of their world. But the truth of the matter is, Sandy, I work with a lot of teens and in the beginning, teens are a little resistant because they haven't had it all their lives. But when teens finally realize that this can actually help them because they have unbelievable stresses in their lives. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it's something that clicks. I, I have a group at one of the middle schools that every day they can drop in for mindfulness. In the beginning, ah. I'd get one kid, maybe two, and maybe they were sent to me. Now it is packed. Kids have realized that I can do nothing but breathe or do a body scan and feel a totally different way when I leave there. And I think it's just, it's something that we all need. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, like I always like to speak from experience that uh, my son is a freshman in high school, so I'm hitting it head on, but I don't know about you, but it seems to me that his friends will come to me. But as far as him, it's like, okay, mom, now maybe he uses some of it and he's in denial, but I don't, is that true with most parents? Like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think parents get it the toughest. You know, if they're going to practice mindfulness, it might not be with you. Yeah, yeah. So, and I always say it takes a village. So I know that you said that you have taught over 2,000 students. Yeah, just this year. When I sat down to figure it out, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. But the truth is I have the best job in the universe. I get oh, my to be, oh my God. I get to be in classrooms all over the place. I get to work with teachers and students, and we actually get to have fun learning mindfulness and positive psychology. So they are happy when I come, and hopefully I'm planting seeds, and when I leave, they're using it. Yeah. So are the, do you work just with the kids? Like, how's it work? Is, how, let's talk about the program itself and how long it takes to have impact. So when I go into a classroom, I usually go for about 30 minutes at a time, and I try to get a, at least a six-week commitment. And okay. the teacher stays. So I'm kind of modeling. I'm not saying this is what you do or that's what you do. I model, and you know, teachers participate, students participate, and we all get to learn this together. Um, it's, it's actually a wonderful way to do it. You're not telling a teacher that you need to do it this way. You're kind of like offering it, and if a teacher loves it, great. And if not, that's okay too. You know, I, I just have to ask because I told you I mostly, you know, deal with adults or high school kids, but I had the pleasure of going into a first grade class, and it was hysterical. And I had so much fun, and you know, they taught me stuff. You know, they gave me a run for my money, but I had to keep them moving. You know, I felt like we danced. You know, we sang. We redrew. But I don't know if this is a weird thing. I asked them, Cindy, what is your number one thing? Like if you like draw a picture 
of something that you feel like, you know, you, you just don't have the answer to. And I was thinking it was going to be math, English, science, and it was falling asleep at night. Yeah. And I was thinking first graders and it blew me away. So I was telling parents and they're like, you have, so I always ask questions. I have have people that call in and email me and they have three questions I send you. So the first question is, why is that? Why would that be? And it was 80% of the class. I just didn't know if that was unique or is, is that a thing? No, it's funny because there was a little girl, um, a few months ago, who who told me that it's her thought parade. And I use that term now. It's a thought parade that goes through her head at night before she's going to sleep. And she just starts thinking about things and can't fall asleep. And I think little children are doing that. They have many things on their mind. I mean, we have devices that we never had before. Um, kids think about their games. They think about... Um, their friends, they think about things that we might think is not as important, but to them, it's a stress. So I think, you know, for those children, learning how to maybe do a body scan when they're in bed is very helpful. Okay. So let's go. I know what you mean by body scan, but what do you mean by body scan? Let's just go over it so they can help their kids. So a body scan would be where a child would lie down in bed and go through parts of their body. They'd start with their head, relaxing all the different parts, softening their eyes, maybe bringing a slight smile to the outside of their mouth, which will soften their eyes. And they go through all their parts until they get to their toes, trying to soften and relax. And what happens is usually they never get to their toes. So they get to, to experience how they can help themselves learn to relax. And, you know, with, um, with children, they need to own the experience. So we need to do it together until they feel like, yeah, I can do this. Okay. What do you mean by own it? Like, oh. Well, you know, when you teach a child mindfulness, um, they have to experience, they have to practice it. And that's the same with a body scan, which is another kind of a mindfulness practice. They have mm-hmm. to practice it until it becomes something that they're comfortable with. And then they can use it as a tool. I got gotcha. you. All right. Somebody, I just heard a, a beep came in. It was a question <laughs> okay. from Instagram and it was, okay, I, I just need to know why is this word mindfulness? Let me read it correctly. Such a buzz. Like, what is this mindfulness? Please explain to me. I'm just going to read it like it says. And you know, it's a great question because the word mindfulness is everywhere and a lot of people, you know, they picture the Buddha in their head, sitting in this tranquil setting. And mindfulness, the way that I look at it is doing one thing at a time with kindness and focus. And that's how I talk to kids about it. You know, it's just not letting your mind wander to a million other places while you're doing one thing. Um, I think that's really mindfulness because many, many years have gone by where teachers have told children to calm down or to focus. And that's not something you can tell somebody. They have to learn how to do it. And that's mindfulness. Okay. So give an example. All right. Let's even do, because I always believe like when parents say to me, I can't, my children, they won't listen. I try to tell them. I think the most important thing is 
you have to be the example, right? I mean, if you're going to teach mindfulness or you want to show up with it, whether, you know, you're a mindfulness teacher or you just want to be that kind of parent, you have to practice it yourself. And practice it with them. And, you know, I've been in many rooms where we sit on the floor together. And if a teacher for some reason isn't practicing, the kids see that. So I always (sighs) invite the teacher to practice with us so they can see, yeah, it really is important. You know, some of the funniest moments that I spend in a classroom or where I'm doing downward dog on top of a table so that I'm not just explaining it, they're doing it. And that is quite a sight. Oh, my God. All right. So here you are. All right. Let's just go for it. And your thoughts are spinning out of control. I got to do this. Got to do that. Got to do that. Right. And you're the teacher. I have this question. Do I just stop and breathe? She heard somewhere, where, where does it say? Smack her hand on the wall and just say, stop brain. I, that's a good one. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know I, that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, I think that when you're teaching this to children and when you're working with children, as you said so beautifully, you have to be part of it. You have to set the example. But then I think you have to set up a little space because not everybody's going to need it at the same time. And once children learn how to use different tools to calm themselves down, if you have a little space in the room, they could go over there. Same thing in your house. If you have a little space where your child knows that's where I'm going to go to just chill out, to practice my breathing, to balance a feather on my finger, to do whatever it is that they do for their mindfulness practice, I think that's a really important part. Ooh, I like, you know, what's really funny. You know, where I do my recording, it's called the blue room and it has waterfalls and Buddhas and all this different stuff because it relaxes me, even though my podcast guests, you know, usually it's a lot of them are really hype and energetic. And so everyone makes fun of my room and says, well, why? But it settles me. You know what I mean? Like, like, even if you notice before you went, you came on, there's just, mellow new age music and it doesn't matter if it's a hot pumping subject it just settles me and chills me out and And you know what settles you which is the key that is the key for kids too because not every kid can sit down and do mindful breathing some of them need to do mindful walking because they are they just can't do breathing yet or they might need to do mindful movement or something that's that works for them. Because I do say to kids, you know, mindfulness is a wonderful tool, but if it doesn't work for you, we can figure out a different way to do it. Yeah. All right. So here's, here's my, uh, I have so many questions for you. So here's another one. All right. So I'm sitting there breathing and I'm trying to do, you know, clear my head and just think of one thing, but other thoughts pop in my head. How do I address those other thoughts? What do I say to myself? You, that is the most normal thing there. I don't think there's anybody on the planet who can sit and breathe without their mind wandering. So I think all we do is we notice, we notice my mind is wandering and we bring it back. And I try to teach them when a feeling or your mind wanders, the first thing is you notice it and then you name it. So mind's wandering and then you navigate back to the breath. Okay. Kind of do those three ends to get yourself back on track. All right. So basically you don't have to go, don't think, don't think, don't think, (laughs) and don't feel bad. Like, you know, you're doing it wrong. Right. And that's the kindness piece. Like do this with kindness. So if you, if your mind wanders a hundred times, 
be nice to yourself. It's okay. It happens yeah. to everybody. All right. So why, I don't know if it's just more awareness, but why is there, or does it seem, especially in the last year or so, that there's heightened awareness of anxiety and stress amongst our kids? You know, one of the things that I do with teenagers is we sit down and like we talk about uh, John Kabat-Zinn, who was um, the person who brought mindfulness to Western culture. And he talks about like, you can't control the waves, but you can learn to surf. And one of the activities is, okay, make a wave for all of your stresses. And when I read what they write and what they draw in their waves, it amazes me. And a lot of it is the drama between them and their friends, schoolwork, um, the internet, Instagram, things that you think are, oh, these are fun things. They're actually stressors in their lives. So, all right. So (laughs) I hear this all the time. So the only thing you're mentioning that we didn't have, we always had drama with our friends, right? Weren't we always worried about grades? I mean, or do you think it's heightened now? I think everything is heightened now. I think everything's gotten so important, so competitive um, in a way where teenagers are so worried about what school they're going to. And, you know, maybe uh, I did my best and got a B, but that wasn't good enough. I needed an A. And I think sometimes we have to say to our kids, you really need to do your best, but then you need to let it go. And I think letting it go is really hard. And it's hard for the parents. Mm. You're right. I was, um, I try not to fall into this trap, but I have to tell you this little story. I was at the coffee house with my son and I was watching, it was fascinating to me. And maybe this is a good thing. All these kids trying to get into college, like there, there seemed to be a, I don't know if you you hire a a tutor or what it's called to write a, a writer essay. What do you call that? Like to get into college? That's the first I've heard of that. And that's another extreme. Yeah. So this, this gentleman was sitting there and he's meeting, and I unfortunately have good hearing different kids. And he'd say, Oh, so you were in the school play. Oh, so you're saying you were the lead in the school play. And he was taking whatever the kid was telling him and taking it to a whole new level. And he's like, all right. You know, he'd say to the kid, I, I think I have enough here. You know, I can't promise you'll get in whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, what's this coming to? And then I walk outside and I want walk into friends and they were telling me, and my son's a freshman in high school. Well, did you hire your coach yet? I'm like, for what? To make sure he gets into a good school. And I go, I just, and I know I shouldn't have said this, Cindy, but I said, um, I'm just glad he doesn't drool today. I mean, I just didn't know what to say because it seemed so much over the top. And that, was assigned to me is like, okay, if parents are doing this, the kids must really be freaking out. I mean, to me, that's just over the top. And they're comparing themselves. And when you compare yourselves to others, I mean, chances are you're going to come out feeling negative. We have so many stresses anyway, but then when you bring comparison into it, that's huge for kids. I mean, their brains aren't fully developed. And when they're thinking, I'm not good enough at 15 or 17, that's scary. Yeah. But is that like something like, do you, I mean, is that like, have you ever heard of other people like writing your essays? I mean, is that a common practice because it's that competitive? So I feel like I want to say that's cheating, but (laughs) (laughs) But who knows, right? Right. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they're just, 
Yeah, but it wasn't like the only thing it made me think of is that is a whole new level of pressure. You it's mean, a whole you, new level of pressure. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole new level of pressure. Okay, so let's let's rein it in again. So my absolute favorite question here that I have to know is, do you, and I know you probably get this a million times, is the, wait, let me just make sure I say it exactly. Is the internet destroying my child? It depends on how they use it. You know, I think the internet is destroying a lot of us if we, if we (laughs) ourselves on it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think we're very lucky that we have the internet, but if you're scanning it all day long, and I think that's, it's dangerous. And I think all of us, people who practice mindfulness, everybody, you know, has that weakness. It's very addicting. And it's hard sometimes to just turn it off and say, I don't need all that stimulation. I think it's also um, shortening our attention span. Yeah, that's what I was hearing that, you know, you think every, you would think every kid had ADD because, you know, it's making them like not be able to focus because you go from this, this, and this, it's constant stimulation. It's constant stimulation. It's, um, and I'm sure there are a lot of studies. In fact, I know there are studies out there that actually address this and talk about the fact that our students need instant gratification and, that's a little dangerous because they actually need to be able to work at something to have more prolonged attention. And with the internet, it's fast and you get your answers right away. You know, I was thinking of that. I mean, think about when you wanted to know something and you had to go to the freaking library and now you go, well, duh, just Google it. Right. And how about encyclopedias? I don't think there is such a thing anymore. Oh my God. Right? Wasn't that crazy how to look it up or that you would argue about stuff and now you don't even have to argue and debate. You go, well, just look it up in Google, you know, instantly. But I do agree with you. And I think that's a good point. It's, it's a beautiful, wonderful, magnificent thing, the internet. It's just how you use it. And to get back to the kids and I was thinking what makes it why, you know, our kids, like they're like, are, are we coddling our kids? Are kids making a big deal out of nothing? I mean, I don't know. That's a whole nother question, but I do agree that the two factors that, you know, we didn't have, I think it's highly competitive now and the internet, there's no way you can get around the drama on the internet. There's just no way. I mean, if you're a high school kid, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, okay, they're only putting their best, the best face forward, but you still want to be that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, okay, well maybe they Photoshopped it. They're not always happy, but isn't that all you see? When you go on, you know, it's all you see. But another piece of that is the piece where you really need to stop and pause before you push that button, before you send the Instagram Um, and students need to. And that's actually mindfulness. When you can write that message, then take a breath, pause before you push the button, because a lot of times stress happens as soon as they push that button Uh. to think, what did I do? Should I have sent that? So there's a real opportunity to take a breather. Well, you know, Cindy, I have in my company, and they know this, I don't send any text or email or voicemail negative, nothing. I make sure that all my car, unless it's like come to a meeting, do you know I me, mean? something like that, that my rule of thumb is, and I think it makes things a lot easier, unless it's something positive I have to say, I don't email it. I love that. And I you know, think, um, you know, in education, our administrators, um, 
in corporate America, the leaders need to take a lesson from you. Because I think when we talk to people in a positive way, we can get them to do a lot more. We can motivate them. Um, recognizing people's strengths is a really important piece in, in positive psychology. You know, and I love that. I was looking at your website, your little thing, and I love the way it says, you know, your top five strengths, creativity, curiosity, gratitude, humor, and leadership. And you have that for everyone. We do. And we have every teacher in the district take the VIA strengths test. I don't know if you're familiar with it. And for um, students, they can take it. It comes up with your top strengths, but everybody has the same 24 strengths. So where you see yourself, um, and based on the questions that you answered, the results are five top strengths. You look at them and you say, oh my God, that is so me. And then the key is, okay, now let me find new ways to use them. And I think that's a way that we can always bring ourselves up. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never taken it. I think I'm going to take it. I think it would be fun to take. I would love to hear what your top five are. I am going to bet Zest is in there. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm excited to take it. But that to me, I, I, I get a lot of criticism because of my style of leadership. Like even if you come in and you're about to get let go. I will still say all the things that you brought to the table and what things, why you were originally hired and then go over why I think it's not a, a good fit, but I don't see any benefit in the other. I really don't. And I'm telling you, I want to say this. If everybody out there didn't send a negative text, whether they're sad, they're upset, they're disappointed, they're mad at their parents, their boyfriend, their girl, whatever it is. I think there will be a lot less stress. I really I think I think you are so right. And I give everybody that I um, come encounter with a little blue sticker, a little blue dot to put on their steering wheel, their cell phone for little kids um, in a special place in their bedroom. So before they react in that negative way to somebody else, the blue dot's like a primer to say, okay, oh. I'm take a breath first and then respond instead of reacting. Oh, I like that. So do you have any breathing exercises that you recommend that you do yourself even? Well, you know what? I, and I, back to the internet, there are some amazing free apps on the internet. And one that I really love is called Insight Timer. And every morning when I wake up, I make sure that I give myself time to pick a guided meditation and do it. And, you know, believe it or not, there is more and more free stuff out there. So I don't know that we ever have to pay for a guided meditation. I recently got my uh, mindful um, teaching certificate from a man named Sean Fargo, who um, is an amazing mindfulness teacher. And he has hundreds of free mindfulness um, guided meditations out there. So I think, you know, if that's the way you like to do it, and that is the way I like to do it, there's so much available. Yeah. I know for me, uh, my, my family always teases, I need a lot of self-help. But for me to be in that positive mindset before I even get out of bed in the morning, Cindy, even if it's only 30 seconds, I take my deep breaths in and I have a word that I focus in for that month. And I change my word every month because otherwise I, you know, I'll get complacent Right. and I decide how I'm going to show up in the world. So I tell people it doesn't take a lot of time. Like it could be 30 seconds of, you know, 40 breaths and your word is joy or whatever, and decide what you're going to, how you're going to present yourself in the world. And just by doing that, it helps me besides the guided meditations. I love you know? that. 
And I also love um, gratitude because it is so true that if you think about the things you're grateful for, you have less time to worry about being unhappy and it does make you happier. And one of the exercises that one of the people that I used to practice with told me was that before you get out of bed, and I try to do this, think about one person in your life. Um, Think about why you're grateful for them. Notice the color of their eyes. Ooh. Try to remember the first time you met them. And then when you get out of bed, the first person that you see, try not to improve them for the first five minutes. Ah! Right? Isn't that something we do? Oh, you could wear this. You could do that. Try yeah. not to improve them. And I think. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> Like, think about you come downstairs. Are you wearing that? Did this? Are you going to eat this? Oh, my God. We are always trying to improve each other. And that is just one way to show our gratitude that we're not going to improve each other for at least five minutes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think it's sad that you're saying five minutes. Like, how bad is that? You know? (laughs) You know, it's crazy. Okay. So I noticed here that you were talking about the teachers are in desperate need of self-care. Absolutely. I I think teachers today, I think education today is under a lot of stress and strain. And I think the teachers feel it. There's a lot they have to do. They're stretched to the limit. They're dealing with stressed children. And, you know, when there are kids who, who have needs, it makes everything more difficult. Um, And I think that it's really, really important for teachers to practice self-care, whether it be mindfulness. Um, Yeah. In fact, I try to offer at least one a month um, teacher well-being workshops. And the one for today is a drumming circle. So we have a guy coming in who is a an African drumming circle facilitator, and he'll facilitate a group of us playing the drums. And when you focus on one thing at a time, it enhances your well-being. So there's so many different ways to do it. Wait a minute. Where is this? I freaking love drum circle. <laughs> this is <laughs> one of our middle schools. It's just, it's going to be great. Oh, like I love that. So wait a minute. So are you, this is this what you do full time? Or are you also Cindy in the classroom? I am doing it all. So I'm in the classroom as much as possible. I am facilitating teacher well-being workshops. Um, You know, I'm working with anyone in the school district community who is interested in practicing mindfulness, using positive psychology, or just increasing their general well-being. And is it, like, I know you said you were on a panel in Philadelphia, but most of your work, is it in Sheltonham? You know, it's been in Cheltenham, but one of the things that I talked to you about before was that I am so open to inviting other districts to come in for me going out to other districts or other places because I don't think it's a competitive um, an issue, like a competitive commodity. Mindfulness should be out there for everybody. Positive psychology, we all feel happier when all the people around us are feeling happier. So, I, you know, it's something that I hope just to see growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And I noticed you said what you, I'm all about it. Like, and I can tell with the drum circle, you have to keep it fun. You have to keep it fun. Even with the mindfulness with kids, there has to be an element of fun. I mean, one of the most fun activities that, 
that I do with them that they love is that they get a very long peacock feather and they have to balance it on their pointer finger. And, you know, at the first thought is like, oh my gosh, I could never do this. But really, if you just focus and you're mindful, you can do it. And they love when they are successful doing that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I'm sure there's a million games and different things you can do. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking of this because I was listening to this gentleman and he was all about meditation and I've been into meditation for a long time, but I have friends who, you know, they get up early, crack a dawn and they do 45 minutes to an hour of meditation seated. And that's never been me. I mean, I feel as if I do all different types of meditation, but a lot of mine are guided for just 15 or 20 minutes And others are a minute throughout the day, just taking a step back to take a breath. And I also feel like when I'm in the woods and riding my bike, I mean, like you said, there's just not one way and you have to embrace who you are. When I mountain bike, I feel like that's when I'm in my zone and I get my best meditation. And you're physical. And a lot of, you know, a lot of just getting out of your head and into your body or into your breathing or into whatever it is that can bring you peace is wonderful. So I just want to make this a big part of what you're talking about. I want to make sure I clarify and I want to put words in your mouth. So mindfulness is just being present in that moment with being aware of what you're thinking and trying to, I I don't want to say your words, but I want, you said it so beautifully at the beginning. I want to make sure I recap that. So for me, mindfulness is doing one thing at a time. With okay. And that can be your breathing and it could be, it could be making dinner. You could make dinner mindfully by just focusing on what you're doing and not letting your thoughts go all over the place. I know someone who told me she meditated when she did dishes and I said, that works for me. Absolutely. And brushing your teeth. You can meditate while you brush your teeth. I used to brush my teeth and do leg lifts. Now I brush my teeth and brush my teeth. <laughs> so. I'm all, listen, the same thing works to me. You know, we're talking about mindfulness. I have to get the fitness end in it because I've always said I use fitness as my vehicle for mental and physical well-being. But as far as me moving, I don't think it has to be a separate thing too. Like you could do your household chores and get your work at it. You know, go up and down the steps, lifting laundry, doing squats, lunges. You know, it doesn't have to be a separate thing. And I think we make a big hairy deal, which comes back to what you're saying. I mean, it doesn't have, I'm not saying meditating for an hour every morning or at night isn't phenomenal, but it doesn't take that much time. It doesn't. And I know somewhere you say, you know, you take three minutes. Yep. Three minutes is for meditation too. You know, just do it. I had this guy who, you know, he was a yogi and just a guru master for like 35 years. And I had him fortunate enough to come to my office. I thought he was going to teach me meditation and things to do for 45 minutes. And you know what he did? He taught me things to do for one minute throughout the day. And I thought that was beautiful. And I said, really? Because no, I'm not saying you can't have your mantras, but what I want to bring to the world, is these one minute things throughout the day that you can do to focus back in, which is what you were also saying with the body scan. Yeah, I think, you know what, we have to not put pressure on ourselves to be mindful because I think that's the opposite of what we want. I think take a minute. That's awesome. I mean, I know that they say that there's, what, 2,500 or 25,000 breaths in a day. And if we take 20 of those and be mindful, that would be awesome. 
Ooh, I like that one. I like that one. 20. And you said there was 25,000 breaths in a day. Yeah. And you know, that's give or take. Not everybody's exactly the same, but if you just take 20 of them and count the in and count the out and just focus on that, you know, that would make a difference. Yeah. Did you ever hear, I just went to Kripala yoga retreat. It was a wonderful experience and I'm not even a yogi, but I went more for the mindfulness and the meditation and they were saying it was all over the place. One person said there was 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts you have a day or 60 to 80. Yeah. You know? and, and somebody told me, and 90% of them are the same ones you had yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> or and 80% are negative. I was right, like, exactly. And so they had us just, you know, be aware, like take 20 minutes a day and think about all the thoughts. How many thoughts are negative about yourself or others. And if you just could get to 51 positive, well, like just 51 about a subject, it would be incredible. And I thought, Cindy, I was pretty maybe skippy, you know, but there was a lot more negative thoughts in there about myself than I realized. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think our brains are programmed that way. I mean, even just to, to protect ourselves from danger and And I think that's how we have evolved. But yeah, I think finding the positive thoughts is so important. So I, I know we touched on this a little, but as a parent, and we just said, they don't really, you know, home in on you. What, what can we do? I mean, are there little things that we can still do at home, especially with the elementary school kids? Absolutely. I think number one would be like, have dinner together. And when you're having dinner together, listen, instead of letting whatever it is they say, remind you of something, just listen and model that mindful listening, because that's what really we want our kids to do. I think it's really hysterical that you're saying, have dinner together. How sad is that? (laughs) And it's hard. You know, I can't tell you how many times I go into a restaurant and I see a family together and I see both parents on their cell phones. And so when children are not being paid attention to, you know, what are the, what inspiration do they have to pay attention? I think it, it has to start with us grownups modeling for them. No, you're right. You're right. And I, I get people like, you know, they can work 24 seven because of cell phones, which is good and bad, but I do believe put them away, like have that meal. You know, I don't care. Even if it's not, you can't do it every night, you know, try to figure out which nights you can have it and then make sure you put them aside, even just for 30 minutes. I think you are absolutely right. You know, we have this, I know it's going to be sad. We call it the, it's the Berwyn Tavern here in BT. And since my son's been one, it's, it's family oriented until it gets to like 10 o'clock and the food's good, but we call it family night. And I've been doing it like no matter what, whoever has anything, it's got to be Friday or Saturday night. We go there and just spend time, you know, the three of us together. And you know what? It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And, you know, when you said that, like, well, what difference do we have now just because of devices? That's a difference right there. Just having that device-free family time. Oh, my God. I, and I love – now, there's a difference. Sometimes I'll say, can I, you know, my son will go, well, Mom, can I just look this up? You know what I mean? I want to look up so I can share. And I'm like, okay, that's different. <laughs> I get it. You know, it's not like you're sitting there communicating with other people. You're like, you want to look up something. And it it's crazy how I get so sad if I miss the BT family night. 
because I know that's what's going to happen. I have their full attention. Right. But, and you know, and that, that with when your son wants to look something up, there's one of his strengths, you know, love of learning, curiosity. You can say, yeah, I really like that. I see that in you, but look it up and then put it away. <laughs> put it, put it. <laughs> well, Cindy, this has been great. I'm so, guess what? This has been a miracle. The internet was on the whole time. Woohoo! That was a meant to be. I know. I'm so excited. Is there anything before we wrap up that we didn't get in that you want to go over? You know, there are so many things about this topic that I could share forever. And I really want to reach out to your listeners and say, you know, if you want to start this, if you want it to come to your school or your district, call me, text me, email me. I would love to help. Oh, good. I know that. That's what I love about you. You're like, listen, let's get this thing everywhere. And another thing that I want to say to my parents and the teachers and school districts, don't wait until you think, okay, it's absolutely perfect. Just that's the biggest thing I'm finding, Cindy. They're so concerned that they got all the right people and all the right things. Just bring it in, try things, you know, it's a work in progress. You can always change it. You can always add it because I think we need it now. Absolutely. Even if, like you said, it's one minute a day, everybody takes a breath. Yep. Yep. Now I I do want to go back for the teachers though. Are there programs in every school district for teachers? Oh my gosh. No, there are not programs in every school district. Um, I think there's a need in every school district. I would love to see teachers have time to take care of themselves. And, you know, I think when you start to practice mindfulness yourself, you automatically understand the need to bring it to others. Yeah. You know what? That's true. When you, that's the thing. Somebody just said that to me. It was a teacher and she thought this was blah, 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 whatever. And then she went to a retreat and she saw how it changed her life. And then she's like, that's it. You know what I mean? I'm all in because she saw how it affected her. It makes such a difference. Um, my husband and I, we both practice. And my husband is not a an education person. He's like a businessman. But you know what? He sits down and practices every day. And it makes a difference in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. All right, Cindy. Well, do me a favor before we go. How can they reach you? You said text and email. And we'll put it on there, but tell them. So my email is really easy. It is mindfulnesswithcindy at gmail.com. Just touch base with me via email. Um, My telephone number, I use my cell, and you can post that, 215-901-4383. I am happy to help anybody, little, big, whatever it is. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much, Cindy. This was great, and I'm sure we'll get together soon. Yeah, and this was a pleasure. All right. Bye, Cindy. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, share, and subscribe if you enjoyed. And remember, stay powerful.